As a Papuan Australian woman, I acknowledge that I am a settler on this land that I live, work and create on. I acknowledge there are ongoing native title cases on this land today due to the impacts of colonisation and I want to pay my respects to the many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples of this country and to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back, listeners. Let's dive into part three of our podcast episode with Lisa Villiamo and Mary Harm. Okay, my next question is about recommendations. So recommendations and reflections. In the feature articles that we're producing, uh, at the end of the feature article, I go, can you list some questions for reflection for the readers to think about? Can you think of some questions for our listeners to reflect on about what we're discussing in terms of being able to make change and elevating First Nations women and the communities that they support and also support them? I think for me, like, don't wait until you're qualified. Mm. Just do it. Fake it. I think, like, yeah, just be confident, step out and doors will open um, is one. The second thing is, um, is it going to matter? If there's something on your mind that you're worrying about, is it going to matter in five years? And if it's not, oh, well, keep it moving. But, yeah, not me trying to be a big sister. (laughs) Um, I think another one would be, like, make time for the things that make you happy. Yes. And I know that can sound like really like simple and basic, but I honestly think we don't ask or tell ourselves that enough. Hence why we're all burnt out. But <laughs> but you know what? I mean like you know the work sometimes like your work does make you happy. Like that's great. But like I think you need to constantly check in on yourself. Just like like make time for things that make you happy. Um, whatever that might be. That reminds me of when I like I've spent a lot of time, like, you know, protesting and organising and campaigning for culture and and I didn't actually have enough time to enjoy culture. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, it's having that balance of, yeah, making sure that you spend time with your family or um, for, for me it was, like, being in the ocean um, connecting to Tangaloa, but yeah, ensuring that the things that you're fighting for, that you still get to enjoy them. I like that. I think it's also important to uh, to ask yourself, like you know, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And kind of eliminate that like possibility of like limiting yourself. Yeah, that's a question I always ask our young people. Like, if you know, if you knew you couldn't fail, if you knew like all these things that are worrying you at the moment, like, isn't about like, what would you do? And I think when we start like thinking in that way, like, I think opportunities just open, and you kind of like you envision and you sorry envision vision you vision like yourself. It's like actually like you know seeing it is important. Totally. Yeah. Like if you can see yourself there, okay, then you're going to be there. 
But if you can't see it, like it's so much harder to get to. And I think healing, because of our conversation we are talking about earlier, I think also like, you know, um, I think being a good ally or being a good advocate or being a good leader, whatever you want to call it, like you need to heal yourself as well. You know, I think, and I, I read this thing the other day. I don't know who said it, but it was something to do with like, you know, your story didn't begin with you. It began with your mother's story. And that was like, whoa, because if you don't heal yourself, the result is that you're the next generation are going to have to heal themselves. And then also the stuff that you weren't able, you know, it's kind of, it's generational. Um, so if you can heal yourself. I reckon, yeah, that's such a good one. And also I think for, for women, for brown women, Pacific women, we're so used to serving and we're so used to like sacrificing and we see it in our mothers and our grandmothers. And I think like, even being a little bit selfish, you know, not a little mm. bit, being selfish, like setting up boundaries, like, um, you know, knowing what you want and not being dictated by anything um, external. But, yeah, I think it's really critical that, yeah, as as young Pacific women that we um, encourage younger women to... Um, yeah, just be unapologetically like self-centered in some way. Like I don't know how to articulate yeah. it, but like I mean, not selfish, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, mm. make sure you prioritize yourself too. At the end of the day, yeah. And that makes me like while you were saying that, you know, I often think that as women, sometimes we, we can be so competitive. Like when we talk about safe spaces, like sometimes it can be us that are making it unsafe. And I know that's controversial, but fact. So I think a reflection or an ask, I guess, would be like compliment, not compete. Like, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, projects or whatever it may be, like make that compliment someone else's work, not compete with their work. That's so true. Because I think we can be our, like, our, within community, we can be our worst enemies. Like, it's just so counterproductive. And you think about, like, what you were saying, like, it's going to matter in five years. Like, I reckon you know, collaboration is so key. Mm. And yeah, I feel like that come, you know, if we go back, like, before we were colonized, like, everyone had a role to play and it was all like collective and community and if we can like take elements of that and bring them into this society like Mm. yeah we can create like powerful momentum and in what we're trying to change is through collaboration so Mm. yeah going back to what you're saying about like silos like don't work in silos. Yeah, because like, I, like you know, like in commu- like community traditionally have have like I don't think the word like silo was even a thing. You know, back in the day, like community was so intertwined and so like you know knitted, like it functioned like together. There was no like you over here. You know, I feel like that's like a new thing, like Western 
like very Western way of working and being. Um, and we almost like make it okay to work that way. Like we normalize it, it shouldn't be normal. Yeah. Was that confusing me being like, be selfish, but be clever? No, but it's a good, no, it's a good point because I remember someone, to, oh, I remember who it was, but someone was saying like, when they first moved to Australia, coming from the islands, like confusing because back home you're taught like, do everything for your family. Then you come in and they're like, do it for yourself. And then like that constant, like, like there's like in between, but then there's almost a point they're like when we, we're here and we're like bending over backwards and like you know like hurting ourselves really like in a like emotional mental way um for our community but then we're not okay like it's it, it's confusing and I think that's why we struggle with it because it's like against our way of being but then it's also a necessary way of being and it's like this like survival <laughs> it's survival <laughs> And it's like, I think it's new. Like that way of thinking is, I don't, yeah. Would you think it's new? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think our, my mom and my grandparents would ever think like, like that. Like it's okay for something for themselves. Oh yeah. Even you know what I mean? To this day, like my mom's like, feel guilty if she buys herself like new clothes or, you know, yeah, or takes time or says no to something. Yeah, or doesn't give. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very much a Pacific Islander woman's um, way of being raised and thinking is that everyone before you. Yeah. And, like, we have this saying, which is just developed in Papua New Guinea, where a woman is the work beast of the family and she works her ass off everyone else. Her babies come before her. Her husband comes before her. Her village become, comes before her. She is always the last one um, to look after herself. And I see that definitely with a lot of Pacific Islander women that they do feel guilty when they look after themselves. Mm. Um because a part of looking after yourselves means setting those boundaries, which for a long time haven't been established. And now because we're starting to understand our worth, we're putting these boundaries in place. And it goes against some cultural norms that have been developed, um, which aren't right sometimes when mm. I just think about the Papua New Guinea context. But yeah, I definitely find, especially with the women that I speak to, there is a, there is sometimes a sense of guilt for putting yourself first and your career first and your mental health first. Mm. Yeah. Like, um, I can't remember who it was so now. True. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a young Samoan girl I was talking to and she was saying, and probably a term that you might have heard a few times, like self-care isn't selfish. Yeah. It, yeah. Self-care is a form of resistance. But I feel like we don't see it that way because of, yeah, a few things, but yeah. What's that Audrey Lord saying? Yeah, it's something like self-care is, yeah, a form mm. of resistance. I love that. And like rest. Oh, I read somewhere as well. Not me like trying to quote all the things I've like, you know, read on Pinterest or whatever. But um, <laughs> Like um, the importance of rest and how culturally we've always had, like it's always 
there's always been rest as part of culture. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you talk about like an island time, right? Like, we all joke about like, oh, whatever. But there's like an element of rest to that. And every culture has like, you know, I think for Tongan community, you know, when they're, when they're waiting for their mats in the ocean to, I don't know what the process is called. Like, that's the rest time that, that culturally they're given because they've been weaving for so long. You know, that process embeds rest. Like, it's, it's ingrained into culture. Um, but I think we're just so consumed by this, like, go, go, go. Need to be productive every minute of every day. If you're not doing that, then you're not successful mentality um, that we forget that, like, rest is, is culture and culture is rest. We just see rest differently. So my advice is please rest. This is, yeah, and that's great advice. And I think you need to take that. <laughs> that's why I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, my eye bags. Not Mary emailing me at like 3 a.m. <laughs> um, but there's this quote by this famous African-American feminist um, who was a lesbian in the 80s. Um, she's just like iconic. Her name's Audrey Lord, And her quote is, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And that is an act of political warfare. <laughs> Please put the sound in the recording. <laughs> yeah, that's so important. And it's interesting because um, a lot of the people that I have spoken to have been just a little bit older than the both of you or, you know, they're um, artists or, or my mum's age. And this concept of... Um, looking after yourself as in like self-care has never come up before but it's something that's in the back of my mind and I can see just from uh, my research for this project that self-care is very much in the forefront of this generation's mind and this upcoming generation but before then self-care for our women hasn't been for a long time I think so that's just an interesting observation just from this discussion itself Um, yeah yeah, getting down to my final questions what is next for you and your projects rest rest is next (laughs) yeah I was about to say like I think for me this probably doesn't really answer your question more but I think I need rest not in just like the actual physical like sleep rest but like just to reassess and reflect and kind of I feel like I'm a bit of a crossroads at the moment um and like it's just in terms of not in a bad way just in terms of like there is so much opportunity um to do some great stuff and I think I just need to take a moment to kind of reassess um and see yeah like ask myself those questions like what is my purpose what am I passionate about does this align um if I if have I strayed from that what does that look like I think that's what's next for me and I haven't to be honest allowed my time allowed myself that time so this conversation has been healing in a way in that respect Um, for me, I'm, I'm just about to embark on a whole new season in my life. Um, so I haven't even announced this publicly, like a lot of people don't know, but I'm 
four months pregnant, going on five. And you know, every time I have like a significant season, like a change in season in my life, I get tattooed. Um, and like, you know, when the pandemic hit, um, at the time my husband was stuck in Newark where he he's from and I didn't see him for 15 months. So that was like hugely challenging, but really great for my own, like just as an individual to like, you know, refine my purpose and, and do lots of my passion projects and, and that type of thing. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I really want to have a family. Um, and so when borders opened up this July um, and he came home, just before we started trying for baby, I got marked. I got some um, room tattoos. Um some traditional markings and and I ended up getting pregnant within like a week of yeah I know it's crazy um and so for me yeah it's it's been because I've been so sick like it's forced me to stop working as much as I usually do and take time to really think about the type of mom I want to be um, what type of values I want my child to have. I know that we're definitely going to immerse human culture. So I think, yeah, I'm sort of, yeah, I feel like a huge mentality change is happening now as I'm growing this being in me and um, excited for what's to come and, yeah. Sick, sorry. Sick. <laughs> sorry. That. Yeah. It's interesting because like normally when people ask me that, I'll go straight into like, okay, what am I doing for work? Like what am I doing with community? But I think after dishing out some advice that we wouldn't share with other people, I'm like, well, maybe I should take that advice. <laughs> and and that's like a continual thing though. I feel yeah. like I'll I'll be doing that self-reflection you're doing now for the rest of my life. Like <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good because you're constantly changing. And, mm. you know, if you're not doing that, if you're not directing where you're going in life, you're just sort of rudderless. Mm. Well, those were kind of the close of my questions, but is there anything that you have thought of that you'd like to add? Um, oh, yeah, I was just going to say the concept of Talanoa. So, like, in Psalm 1, that means, like, discussion or a talk but the concept behind it I found really interesting someone I can't remember who told me but years ago they said when you come to Talanoa to talk you come with a knot in your chest you can imagine like a rope that's knotted and then when you Talanoa that's the act of untying that knot together and so I love that idea that you're able to like yeah, release your burdens through through Talanoa, through talking. And and that's so important for our culture. Like, we Talanoa about everything, mm. you know. And that, yeah. So I really appreciate this time to Talanoa with you both. Yeah. And in the spirit of rest and Talanoa, I hope that you have found this episode as insightful and healing as I found it. Thank you again, Lisa and Mary, for your time, for your work and for the wisdom that you both share during our time together. 
Listeners, I've linked their profiles into the episode description. Please go and give them a follow. You can also check out the upcoming Control-Alt-Delete exhibition in Brisbane, which is set to open on March 17th and will continue until April the 2nd. You can find the exhibition at Metro Arts at 97 Boundary Street in West End. And if you arrive on opening night, you most likely will see Lisa and Mary there. Also a note, listeners, there is going to be one more episode in this series, Our Women, Our Stories, and I'm currently developing that as we speak. This project, Our Knowledge, Our Practice, Our Stories, officially ends in May, but I know that there is still demand for our women to be given platform, and I hope to continue this podcast, but it may take some time. So again, I appreciate your patience as I explore what is next for this space. Listeners, I'll see you in the next episode of Our Women, Our Stories. Our Women, Our Stories.